0: Good morning, everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Jenny. So today I feel a little bit like a vicar might must feel at a wedding where they want to deliver a sermon that's for everyone, but at the same time they're kind of directing it at the married couple because it's a special day for them and they want them to take things that they can sort of embark, you know, as they embark on their marriage. So perhaps, Simon and Miriam, you're hoping for some nuggets as you head out onto the mission field except we're in the middle of a series on the king and his army, and I'm afraid I'm not focusing on the king, nor the mission, or even the importance of stepping out together, which Ben did last week, but on our enemy. So buckle up, and let's dive right in. Uh, Though in all seriousness, this is completely relevant to your next steps, and hopefully we'll speak into that. From the top, I think we need to start by defining the enemy I'm referring to. Of course, some people have clear enemies on Earth at this time. We think of the Ukrainian soldiers. They have a clear enemy in front of them. What about those in prison for their faith, where the government of that country acts as their enemy? The Old Testament is full of specific enemies, different people groups, uh, and the people of Israel fight against them, or, of course, they are ruled by enemies such as Egypt and Babylon. However, I'm not sure I would say I have enemies today in the physical sense. Perhaps if we focus on those who oppose us, we might be able to come up with a few names, but I hope it's obvious that when we're talking about the enemy, as part of being in God's army, he has a name, and that name is Satan. The fallen angel who reigns over all the dark powers together with his demons, thwarting the ways of God, accusing God's children, and wreaking havoc in the community of believers. We do not see him specific references to him in the bible are few and we'll probably cover most of them this morning but his presence is felt and sadly he wins many battles even though we know the overall war has already been won by Jesus' death and resurrection that defeated the dark powers once and for all and placed satan under his foot but we live in the now and not yet and that means that this verse in 1 peter 5 8 is very much true and should be heeded. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour." I was struck by what Caleb shared a few weeks ago about being a battleship, not a cruise ship. You know, we're not actually here to relax by the pool, eat lovely food, pop off the boat every other day to see a different beautiful city sorry if that's news to you instead we're here to follow jesus and partner with him in ushering in his kingdom we're here to do kingdom work and that means we set ourselves up in direct opposition to satan so with that in mind i have three points for us today of course as we ready ourselves for battle and they are number one expect attack number two arm yourself And number three, recognize the enemy. So first of all, we are to expect attack. We've just read that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion and is ready to devour. If life is difficult and we feel weak and low, expect Satan to heap on some additional efforts to bring us down. He is the accuser. And I want to read a passage from Zechariah Chapter 3, Satan's only mentioned like three times in the Old Testament by name, and this is one of them. Zechariah is having a vision, and it says at the beginning of chapter 3, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. This isn't Joshua, uh, you know, Jericho Joshua. This is Joshua the high priest about when the people of, uh, when the Israelites come back from exile to Jerusalem. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not is this is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Now, what happens after that is that Jesus comes. Jesus, ultimately, Joshua as a high priest is there feeling, who am I to do this job? And the accuser jumps in. Satan's there by his side accusing him. Jesus bats that one out really easily because, of course, we're not worthy. Joshua wasn't worthy. We're not worthy. It's Jesus who is worthy as we were looking at. Holy, 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 worthy is he. He died. And took our sins away but then we can be tempted to believe the words of the liar the deceiver another famous verse here John 8 44 you belong to your father the devil Jesus is saying to uh, to the to the people who are challenging him and you want to carry out your father's desires he was a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he he is a liar and the father of lies. When you're feeling low, don't listen to the father of lies. If life is great and you feel so full of God, watch out. Satan is not far off. Things were going pretty well for Job uh, until Satan jumped in, stripped everything away. But also for David, which is another reference uh, of Satan in the Bible. So Satan incites him out of pride to take a census. Things were going well. David had a big fighting force. And even his general said, this is wrong to do it. But he still did it. So sometimes things can be going well. Don't let down your guard. In Luke 11, Jesus teaches of the impure spirit that goes away. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house swept clean and put in order. That is to say, we have conquered that temptation, things are going well, we've swept clean. What happens? It goes and takes seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. As I was preparing for this, I reread The Screwtape Letters which, um, by C.S. Lewis, which is an, an interesting read, but it's also quite, um, it's quite a helpful way of thinking it through. Obviously, it's fictitious, we don't know for sure, but this is Screwtape's writing to his nephew, Wormwood, and Wormwood's got a particular individual that he is tempting. And each chapter, it's a new thing. Like now, oh, he's, he's, he's become a Christian. Now we need to try and make him think about what being a Christian is like and think about the person next to him and just think, ah, oh, and just become disappointed and disillusioned. Then the next chapter, is obviously, that hasn't worked, so it's gone on to something else. He's praying for his mother, but he actually has quite a difficult relationship with his mother. So let's really work on that and make him really irritated. And that's how it is. That's the devouring lion. He doesn't do it once and then give up. He keeps looking at different ways to just thwart God's purposes in our lives. We need to be on our guard. When things are neither great nor awful, don't imagine that means nothing is going to happen. He continues to prowl. But perhaps a time we most see evidence of his efforts. And this is the really relevant bit for you, Simon and Miriam, is when we are gaining ground for Jesus when we push forwards, the enemy is not going to sit by and watch. That's why on the first night of an alpha course, and indeed on each subsequent alpha night, all manner of things happen to stop both team and guests arriving at church. Freak accidents, a sudden illness, emergency work that keeps someone late. You couldn't make it up sometimes, the things that occur. Do you doubt the devil even exists? Come and get involved in an alpha course, and you'll see real evidence of his antics. He knows kingdom work is about to happen, and he tries very hard to stop it. This will therefore also be your experience as you head out to Madagascar. You need to expect attack. For those of you who don't know, I used to serve God on the mission field in Guatemala, running a children's home for girls who'd been abused. We cared for them. And we taught them about Jesus' kingdom work. Whenever we got a new member of staff or a new missionary come and join us, we always prepared them for the inevitable baptism of fire, we used to call it. Without doubt, it came. As they started work, challenges came. They might have been personal. They might have been in the workplace. Just stuff came that wanted to set them off course before they'd even got started. Of course, our clear example of this is our own lord and saviour he'd been alive 30 years on our earth and when the time came to hang up his carpenter tools and start his public (coughs) ministry ushering in the kingdom he came to john the baptist who baptized him and there was that moment the start the identity his father saying this is my son this moment of the, the there was a shift now in what jesus was here to do and lo and behold, Satan sweeps in. Jesus expected it. As Joe shared last week, no, two weeks ago even, Jesus had prepared himself for this by going into the wilderness and fasting, taking all his nourishment from his heavenly father ahead of the battle he was about to face. So firstly, we are to expect attack. Secondly, we need to arm ourselves ourselves. Uh, And there's a whole section in Ephesians 6 about the armour of God, which will be very familiar to those who've been Christians for a while. But rather than go through that passage, I'm going to pull out three key ways using the stories we see in the Bible. So first of all, the word of God. Here again, Jesus is our uh, example par excellence. He meets the devil each time with scripture. And I thought uh, we'd just quickly look through it uh, just so we can see that. Um, so let's have a look. There we are. Yep. Yeah. So I'm reading from Matthew. So the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written. And he brings out from Deuteronomy, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. The devil then takes him again. And he says this time, for it is written. So he himself takes some words from the Bible. He will command his angels concerning you. They will lift up uh, and they will lift you up in their hands so that they will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your Lord, your God to the test. And again, the devil takes him to a high mountain, shows him all the 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 kingdoms of the world, their splendor. All this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. We need to know the word, the Word of God. Meditate on it. Make sure you know what it says about a particular areas. See, the devil used scripture, so we need to not just know set little verses. We need to know Jesus and know that He loves us. Know the things that it says in the Bible about. Us about what he's done for us so that we can face those attacks that's why feeding on him daily is so important secondly I want to talk about the authority of Jesus so as Jesus goes through his ministry he encounters many people who need healing but he also encounters people who are demon possessed perhaps not such a fashionable thing to talk about these days or at least in the UK I suspect in African countries, this is very much still a recognized thing. What we see throughout the Gospels is Jesus encountering a demon, living inside someone, and, but he doesn't use scripture to oppose it. He simply commands it to come out. Here's a good example. Luke chapter 4. You'd be glad I've got them all up here, otherwise you'd be all racing around your Bibles in the old days. Uh, so let's have a look. Uh, So, in the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, words these are with authority and power he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out with authority and power he gives orders harvey recently spoke about the importance of calling on the name of jesus nowhere is this more important than when doing spiritual battle we can and we should banish the devil in the powerful name of jesus We sing, in his name, the demons flee. We need to believe it. We need to own it. We need to do it. We have that authority in us. So the first two are down to you. Know the word of God and use that authority. However, we are in this battle together. And perhaps even more important than these first two is the power of prayer. You would have thought I'd talked to Peter before, wouldn't you? Pray, pray, pray. Just as the four men bore the burden of the paralyzed man to take him to Jesus, we can help others in spiritual warfare by lifting them up in prayer. Prayer warriors really mattered. You know, Jesus prayed for Peter against Satan. Luke 22. Verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. This is ahead of his denial, and then, of course, afterwards, he does indeed strengthen others. So if Jesus and Peter did this, I think it's probably worth us considering it too. It's great to hear that Simon and Miriam have this group, the PACT group, who are right around them, because I think it is so important to have people you can contact at short notice to ask them to pray. Ask people to pray into specific situations, to bring you words and pictures that speak into it. Do not feel like you are out there alone. That is not the church's way. That is a ploy of Satan to make you feel isolated. We want to stand with you in prayer, and there may be times you depend on that for strength and need us to do battle on your behalf. I've certainly personally experienced that when I was on the mission field. So expect attack, arm yourself. And finally, it's important to recognize your enemy. Now, that might feel like an odd thing to say, given I've started by saying he's called Satan, but the reality is he comes in many guises, and he's done an exceptionally good job, I think, in the current age, of convincing most people that he doesn't even exist at all. There is a huge risk that we normalize everything and never see the devil's hand. Though the flip side can be true, and some have been guilty of seeing everything as demonic, including clinical illnesses. So we do have to be careful. As I said at the beginning, if you doubt Satan exists, I would encourage you to get on the offensive, push the kingdom forward in your front line, or join an alpha team, and see what happens. However, I also want to draw our attention back to the story of Jesus casting out a demon, as it gives us some useful insights. You see, when we pick up our Bibles, in chapter four, verse 31, it starts by saying, Jesus drives out an impure spirit. In my much beloved subtitles that we have here, we have our first clue. Then it says, and in the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. So as we read it, we already know what Jesus is facing. But what about the people who were there at that time? What did they see? They saw a man, they saw a human, walk up to Jesus and start screaming at him. That's what they saw. Now, we may not have people screaming at us to go away. I would sincerely hope we don't see that at our fun day. But we do have people who oppose us in a variety of ways, and we may react against that. But it's critically important that we differentiate between the enemy, who seeks to destroy us, drive a wedge between us and God, who is to be resisted and spoken to with authority, and people who are loved deeply by God and who we are called to love and tell about Jesus. I'm going to say that again. It's critically important that we differentiate between the enemy the one who seeks to destroy us, drive a wedge between us and God, who is to be resisted and spoken to with authority, and people who are loved deeply by God and who we are called to love and tell about Jesus. Jesus had some pretty intense encounters with people, but he recognized the demon, he cast it out and showed love and compassion for the person. All who receive Jesus as their Lord and Saviour are welcomed in, however much they may have opposed you in the past. We are in fact to rejoice that they've been rescued from darkness and the power of sin. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the dark powers of the spiritual world. As such, we do not wage war as the world does. Two key verses there. We need to be prepared. I once remember, I'm coming in to finish, actually, if the band want to sort of make their way slowly up. We need to be prepared. I once remember asking my prayer supporters when I was out in Guatemala to cover a situation in prayer. Uh, and one gentleman got a picture of a chessboard. I think that's a pretty good image to use, to be honest. I imagine Satan plotting his next move And he's already trying to predict what we'll do, because that's what they do in chess, don't they? They're already trying to guess through. And then he's already planning the next couple of moves after that. He is strategic, and we need to be aware of that. Now, this might all sound a little bit scary, uh, but please remember Jesus has the victory. And the truth of the matter, hand on heart, is there is nothing more exhilarating than being in the thick of the battle carried by the prayers of those around you and clear not only whose side you are on but with the confirmation that you're making a difference for the for god's kingdom if you weren't satan wouldn't even need to bother would he satan gets in the way because he knows we are pushing forwards for jesus so we expect attack but we ensure we arm ourselves we recognize our enemy to call him out and resist him. I'm going to finish by reading that first verse from 1 Peter 5 again, but it goes on with some encouragement for us all. It says, resist, sorry, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings and the god of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in christ after you've suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong firm and steadfast to him be the power